Welcome back to Left of Normal, where everything that isn't right is left, and everything that is left is right. I'm your host, Scott Siri. Today we have a special guest on the show. He's someone that has helped me to grow my business, and I'm hoping that I've helped grow his as well. He's a great guy to know in the tech world, anything that has to do with technology, websites, and all that sort of thing. And he's also one of the top DJs in Billings, Montana. Welcome to the show, Gary Carson. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. Okay, I have a few questions to start out with, and then we'll see just kind of where this thing goes. So unlike other podcasts that just kind of get on there and wing it, that's not how the left of normal mind works. I like things that are scripted and predictable. So a lot of my questions will revolve around our interactions as you being a normie and me being left of normal. Okay. All right. So kind of the first question, uh, do you remember the when we first met, the first interactions we have? I do remember them for some reason. Um, uh, no, no, I don't. And this is probably the first time I've ever been called normal also. So <laughs> this is a new experience for me. Good, good. So you were still working at T-Mobile. I was with Aubrey and some other group. I don't know why. I might have been after sports ball or something like that. And we were down at Thirsty Street. Uh, you came in, you had like a pink T-Mobile scarf on, and Aubrey had a pink hat for some reason. And he hands you this pink knit beanie cap and says, hey, this would match your outfit. You must have been super tired because you pretty much didn't say anything the entire time we were there. So that's just kind of uh, the very first time. Uh, I don't remember many other interactions after that until sometime uh, we bumped into each other again at like biz to biz or something like that. Um, so those first interactions, kind of what did you think about them when before we kind of knew each other real well? Was I weird or off-putting or really quiet, really loud, super obnoxious? Probably depends on how many beers I had in me. I would say my first impression of you was from your online presence, and you were angry at a couple of different businesses a couple of times online. And uh, one time I thought it was justified, and another time I thought it was not justified. But I was like, this guy's this guy's a... like." A, a business owner and he's publicly just shaming other businesses for bad behavior. And I'm like, that's not really <laughs> normal, you know? And, um, uh, our mutual friend Micah, uh, has uh, a lot of respect for you and everything. And I, I remember asking like, who is this Scott Siri guy? Like, what is his, <laughs> what is, what is his deal? He's just not, he's not like everybody else. And I don't know if I like it. And he's like, Scott's really good. Just get to know him. And I never really kind of had an opportunity, but um, I think I think maybe that first time we met, the reason why I was quiet is I was trying to decide whether or not I should believe Micah that you're a really cool person that I want to hang out with, <laughs> or if I should go with my first impression that if I do something wrong, this guy might blast my business. If you do something stupid or not just wrong, like something actually, I don't even remember which business I was blasting. I try not to unless they do something that's actually detrimental, like claim that they're helping people and then they just rip people off. That's when I'll that's when I'll put them on blast. But other than that, if they're just dumb businesses, I try to minimize my uh, my negativity towards them. 
Well, I've actually noticed that you've changed a lot in that regard in that I haven't, um, I, I can't really recall a time seeing you um, really complain about anything. Like, I haven't seen you complain about a local company. I mean, everybody's got everybody's to get frustrated at Starbucks or Verizon every now <laughs> and again, and they can handle it. They have PR departments to, to figure that mess out. But um, uh, yeah, no, that's, that's not really behavior that I've seen from you. So I think that's maybe something that you've grown out of. Maybe. Or maybe I just need to try harder to cheese off some local businesses so I can <laughs> I can get some good content out of it. Uh, but I don't want it to come back to bite me. It's, uh, and it's also, uh, my video from earlier this week was uh, actually try to eliminate the negativity and the hatred and the jealousy from your life and focus only on the positive. Because negativity doesn't bring business, only positivity brings business and success. So... That's one thing that I have worked on over the years, so maybe maybe I am growing. Uh, next question. Before I launched the Left of Normal, which was right about a year ago, uh, what did you know about the Spectrum, and did you ever look at me and say, yeah, that dude is definitely a weirdo? No, no, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say a weirdo. And, and the thing is, so um, uh, I, have a, I have a brother who has Asperger's syndrome, and... Um, uh, I've actually taken some tests and come back, like, you know, the screening test, and I've come back inconclusive. Not, like, definitely not on the spectrum, but not definitely on. Like, if you really want to know about this, go to a doctor and they'll help you figure it out. And a, a lot of the things that you share about me personally, like, I want to say that, like, this describes me because internally I may seem, like, social and chatty and everything, but, like, in, internally, like, I'm freaking out. And if I am in a situation that I'm uncomfortable in, um, I'm going to be really, really quiet, you know, if I don't know the the people around me. And um, I was thinking about this because you wanted me to have, have me on the podcast. And I think what it might be is I just might be right of normal. <laughs> like I might be I might be too far to the other side. And that's where some of this uh, neurosis goes. But um, no, I don't I don't necessarily think that you're weird. I mean, you're a self-described introvert and you talk about, you know, how great the pandemic has been for you. And, you know, self-isolation was the greatest thing that ever happened. Um, and uh and, you know, um, you're making fun of people like Aubrey and me for <laughs> for freaking out. You're like, it's fun watching you guys melt down. And now you understand how I feel when I'm out at your social events. <laughs> it's that I'm now I'm melting down. Maybe it's uh, maybe you're uh, I think is the second episode of the podcast where I talked about the quadrants. Maybe it's that you're more an extrovert. Maybe you are just slightly left of normal, but you've got the extrovert as well. So I'm the left of normal with the introvert. So I'm left of normal and quieter, but you're left of normal and more outgoing. And so kind of throws you into a whole new category that you deal with things just way different than a lot of people. Yeah, I um I I was thinking back to so I crashed a Christmas party at a bank, and if you were at that Christmas party at that bank, um uh, you'd probably remember this, but I'm I'm not gonna uh, uh, call it out. But um, uh, I had I had crashed this Christmas party. I had no business being there, uh, and it was great. It was a great. I had a ton of fun. And um, so I reached out to somebody I knew at the bank and figured out where it was and um, went to crash it again. And it was like a different dynamic. And all of the people that I usually know weren't there. And it was like a very formal company party. And everybody was just kind of like, 
why are you here in blue jeans <laughs> and do you even have an account here and who invited you kind of conversation and uh it was bad the like every interaction was rough like 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 people think of me like oh yeah gary's comfortable in any social situation <laughs> no it was pure torture I, I stayed there way longer than I should have. Like, I had several opportunities to just be like, I probably shouldn't be here and leave. And I was like, no, I'm usually good at this. I'm going to turn this around. <laughs> I just kept, like, digging myself deeper. And uh, I was, like, involved in a conversation uh, with a couple of people. And then, like, the one person that I knew left. And, like, the circle kind of closed. And everybody turned their back on me. And I was just, like, stuck between all these closed circles of people, like, boxing me out and just, like, waiting <laughs> for me to leave. And uh, it, it was it was such a nightmare. And I was like, I'm, I'm normally good at this, but when I'm bad, like, like <laughs> there are some people that probably have some stories of me <laughs> being the most awkward son of a gun that they've ever met. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I know personally the person that allowed me to crash that party uh, hasn't talked to me since because they probably got in trouble for bringing me. <laughs> well, you probably come up at every Christmas party now. Like, hey, remember when that guy came to our party? Who, dude, does anybody even remember, like... I've never seen him since then. Yeah. That's when you just, like, you grab a you grab a baggie and you just throw a bunch of shrimp in it and then, and then, and then, and then you just leave. run out the door, just take <laughs> off. Like, I've always thought it was hilarious, especially if you were dressed up, when people that are dressed up, when they actually sprint away from situations. I don't know why it's just so funny that, like, if I'm wearing a suit or if I see somebody wearing a suit and something's uncomfortable or they just want to leave, that they actually just sprint away. It is in, it's in one movie that I know of and... It's amazing. It's in, in the movie Rushmore when he's he's just leaving and he's just like, just runs. Huh. Yeah, great. R- Rushmore was a weird uh, was a weird movie. The only thing I remember from that is they're OR scrubs. Oh, are they? <laughs> I, I haven't seen that movie since I was like 18. <laughs> well, they're totally inappropriate for the occasion. Yeah. That's, that's the follow-up line there. So uh, now that you know more about the left of normal community... Does that clear up anything that you thought was kind of weird? Maybe not specifically anything that me personally that I've done other than put businesses on blast because I didn't like them. But people, other people that you know that may be left of normal or you just kind of suspect they are even though they've never said anything about it. Do you know of any specific instances that you say, aha, that, that makes sense? Oh, gotcha. Um, I don't know. So I had, I made a post, um... A couple years ago, uh, I watched a video on somebody talking about what it's like to be on the autism spectrum and the information overload and 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 different things like that and, and why social situations are are so rough and um, and and things that you can do to accommodate it and uh, and I remembered a conversation that I had a long time ago with uh, with a friend because I was having trouble in these, you know, I've been in the Chamber of Commerce since I was 20, and I don't think anybody's wanted me in that circle until I was at least, uh, you know, early 30s. Um, And I just stuck around, and I just kept doing it, because that's what you got to do. I'm, I'm really, uh, I really wish we had next gen, I guess, back when I first joined, um, because it was, uh, it was super awkward. But the thing that I didn't like is that there was all of this social niceties um, that you had to do and it seemed like everybody had this layer of fakeness to everything that they were saying and there was a lot of a lot of blatant self-promotion 
masked in something else, you know, in masked in altruism. And I just, I couldn't stand it. I couldn't, couldn't stand all of these different social things that you had to do. Like, why can't people just say the exact thing that they mean? And, and why can't people just, just like cut, cut the crap and, and say the thing it is that they want to say? Why, why are these, all these rules that I have trouble navigating in, in how you address these, uh, these situations? My friend was like, yeah, you know, probably half the people in the room hate all that stuff too. But the thing is, you don't get to change the rules just because you don't like something. The people that get ahead, they just follow the rules. You know, they just do it. They just suck it up. Do you think Do you think I like doing this? Do you think I like putting on this suit every single day and heading off to work? You know, I'd be much more comfortable in khakis and shorts, and uh, I'd be much more comfortable if I didn't have to put up with all of these uh, societal norms. But in order to get ahead, you've got to play the game. And everybody else is playing, and the people who succeed play it well. So these are the rules. You don't get to change them. Quit complaining and just do it. You know, just just put up with it. And uh, and that kind of hit me, you know. And then I was watching this video, and the guy was asking for uh, basically accommodations and for us to understand how hard this was. And, and I, I kind of thought, like, no, we don't need to change the way things go. Like, I would have liked to change it, but that's not, I don't get to. So you don't get to change it either. Like, we all have to put up with these fake things, and we all have to put up with these social niceties. Um, I'm not very good at it. I, I'm very blunt. Um, I changed my, uh, um, you know how in the update to Facebook a couple years ago, you get to put a couple words at the top of your profile? And um, I put mine, it says direct but kind. Because I'm blunt, I'm I'm very blunt, and I just kind of say what I'm thinking, um, and so I don't always fit into the boxes that I should in that in that respect. But um, I, I at least try, I at least try to play the game, and and when I saw this, I was like, why don't you just try and play the game? Like like of course it's not fun. Of course you'd like it if people made uh, exceptions for you, as I'd like it if people made exceptions for me. But we all live in this same world, and we all live in this society, and we got to do it this one way, whether we like it or not. I don't know if I'd have such a harsh judgment, I guess, about it, you know, anymore. I, I don't think I'd think exactly the same way about it. And if you read up on like the spectrum literature, they call it masking. It's basically you just take, uh, you put on a show because that's what you're supposed to do, and so a lot of times, you know. Most of my podcasts have talked about talked about this. Most of my episodes, where I don't fully understand why it's done this way, but I can sit back and I can observe and I can see these things and I can say, okay, well, this is how. If I do it this way, then this is the reaction I can expect, and so that's just how you have to do it. And so, a lot of uh, business and networking stuff I find is especially that way. You just have to do it because that's what everyone expects you to do. And if you want to get ahead and you want to make something of your business and succeed, you have to play the game, even though I'm sure at least half the people don't want to be playing the game, but that's what you have to do. Uh, so tell me a little bit. We'll shift focus. We'll talk about you and kind of more about you. Uh, how did you get into your big things are your website design company and your DJing business. How'd you get into those and kind of walk us through the pathway that led you to where you are now? 
Um, so for the DJ, uh, I was in some bands, and um, I found that if you wanted good musicians, uh, having the gear uh, was a good way. So I got a drum set, and that I, you know, I I put it out kind of with a, a, a little trap. And when the drummer came by and started banging on the drums, it dropped a big basket, and that's how I got my drummer. And then, um, you know, I got various guitars and a PA system and some microphones, and I was able to snare a guitarist, and uh, I played the bass. And we had a lot of fun that way, and uh, my friends just knew that I had big speakers. And they certainly didn't want my band to play at their wedding, but they wanted my speakers at their wedding because DJs were expensive. So I was the friend that was doing it, you know. (laughs) I was the guy that everybody hated who would just go and do the wedding for free because I had the speakers. And I started booking gigs off of that. Um, And I I booked enough work off of guests from weddings to where I was like, well, I, I think I need to create a company so I don't get in trouble for this. And so um, that's how I got into DJing, and I just, you know, kept um, improving my offering and buying more equipment because I already liked buying audio gear. Um, And then for websites, uh, I built my first website when I was 11, uh, 11 or 12, I think, Um, and, uh, you know, just copy-pasting HTML and modifying it. And then I got familiar enough with it that I could actually write it. Um, sometimes it was easier to do that than copy paste it. So I always had like a general knowledge of it. And then, um, somebody, uh, somebody who didn't know anything about websites, but was a good salesman, uh, came into a business I was managing. And, uh, when I turned them away, they tried to run over the top of me and go to the owner of the company, uh, to try and take my marketing budget, uh, the entire thing and throw it into some website Um, and, uh, I knew that they didn't know what they were talking about. And, um, I also thought it was rude, uh, that they were trying to get, get my budget, uh, from the owner of the company when I had plans for it. So, um, I told him that I would make a website for him and I made the website and it ranked like really well. Like I would get messages from people, um, who, uh, read the articles on the website from like all over the world. Like it was ranking top 10, for certain obscure-ish search terms, but still related terms. And uh, the site was running very well. And so then I had other people asking me to do that. And I always did that for side money. So I've been doing that as kind of a side hustle for about 15 years now. And um, I I got tired of of other people um, telling me what to do, I guess. and, uh, and I was like, you know, I think I just have to work for myself. I think uh, my personality is such that I'm just not a good employee. I'm not somebody who is easy to manage. Um, and I don't work well in a team unless I'm running the team. Um, and, and those are my shortcomings. And for that reason, I should just work for myself and uh, stop driving my managers crazy. So imagine that oh, that 11, 12-year-old website when you were 11 or 12 is probably like something like boogers.com or something like that. Oh, this was before boogers. I don't even know what it was. <laughs> it was it was like a GeoCities site or something. I got a whole bunch of I got a whole bunch of um free email accounts, you know, that had like 5 megabytes or 10 megabytes and registered a whole bunch of them and back in the day an email account was just disk storage somewhere that you could install the email application on. 
And so I would just use it to host my stuff as free hosting. So um, I linked all these together and put my resources in the email accounts. And then I don't, I don't know if it was GeoCities, but it was something like that. So it was a subdomain, and I forget what it was, but um, our school ended up blocking it because it was a lot of fart jokes. <laughs> all right. Yeah, I guess that uh, the story of how you started uh, DJing is kind of how every business wants to be, that everyone sees how good you are, and then they just kind of come to you, and all of a sudden you have more stuff than you can handle, so you got to figure out how to actually run a business rather than just doing it as a hobby. I know I've been trying that for like 15 years with the writing stuff, but the more time goes on, the more clogged the internet gets with content, and so you have to be especially good or just make all those connections, which is why I visit all the networking groups. Yeah, so, you know, I I wouldn't say that my DJ business was a runaway success. Uh, I think the reason for my early success was somebody somebody walked up to me at the wedding and asked how much I would charge to do this. And since I wasn't charging and hadn't charged anything, I didn't know what <laughs> it should cost. And um, And so they said, what do you charge for four hours? And I was like, well, nobody will pay $100 an hour for anything. <laughs> and so I said $350 for four hours. And they were like, sounds great. <laughs> and so... So the reason why, it wasn't because I was fantastically good, because I was an awful DJ those first couple <laughs> of years in terms of technical ability, um, but I was somebody who would show up and play the songs that they wanted to hear when they wanted to hear them, and I was cheap. And so that's kind of that's kind of how that took off. That and um, I built a website and ranked it, you know, because this was back in the glory days when you just built a good website and it would <laughs> rank by itself. Um, and so I've maintained those rankings over the years, and so I don't really have to try hard to get um, inquiries in. And um, I, back when I was super cheap, I didn't have to try hard uh, because I charged less than it actually cost to DJ, you know. Um, I just kind of had it as a, I always had a job, and it was a well-funded hobby. It was a, a way for me to purchase audio gear, um, and I just kind of broke even, you know. And so um, it actually did take take some doing once I actually raised the price to the point where it was profitable. So it's not, it's not one of those, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> everybody, everybody needs marketing. And I just did, did, uh, marketing via search results. Back when you could throw a blog or two up with your keywords and then all of a sudden you're in the top 10. Yeah. You did that back in, uh, it was like 2014 with my business. I just, I blogged three times a week. And at the end I'd just say, I'm a writer in Billings, Montana. And I moved from page seven to the top spot for writer in Billings, Montana, and it took like four weeks. And I stayed there for a long time, and then uh, Google did their uh, mobile-friendly update, and I hadn't updated for a long time, and my website wasn't 100% mobile-friendly, and it moved me down. But I think I'm back up there for copywriter in Billings and copywriter in Montana. I think I still maintain that number one spot. Uh, okay, so over, you know, you've pretty much been an entrepreneur basically your whole life. Uh, had some jobs, but then, you know, kind of like uh, I think last week's podcast talks about work and why the bulk of uh, people on the spectrum don't have full-time jobs. It's because, well, it's kind of twofold. Well, it kind of gets into it about how people don't understand the people that are left of normal, and then they people that are left of normal also don't understand 
how to play the game very well, and so it creates this kind of clash that ends up that most people are under underemployed or unemployed. But go back and listen to that one if you're interested. But over the last uh, however many years as an entrepreneur, what's the biggest lesson or lessons that you've learned about business, life, the universe, everything? Is this the part where I say 42? Is that is that, is that what the answer is, 42? Um, That's one answer, yes. <laughs> okay, uh, uh, biggest lesson. I had a scarcity mindset for a long time. Like, if somebody else is getting business, this means that I'm not getting business, that there's only so much, and I have to... And, you know, a lot of my mentors in business were that way as well, you know? It's like, we need to crush the competition you know, the competition has to do bad in order for us to do good. You know, they don't deserve business because they don't do it exactly the way that I think it should be done. And therefore, they're just ripping people off. And we'd be doing the world a service if if we did our thing the way that we do it, you know. And those ideas were drilled into me um, a, a lot. And, and that's kind of kind of how I thought about things. And when I started my DJ company... I ran into a competitor, uh, Jordan Romero, um, getting a haircut, and uh, um, he was talking about DJing, and then my barber was like, yeah, Gary's a DJ too, and uh, we both kind of got quiet, and I thought about it, and um, I realized none of my competitors really liked me because I'd been an a-hole to all of them, (laughs) and I thought, well, why don't I try, why don't I try being nice to this guy, so... Uh, he was going to get this one piece of gear, and I told him, I said, you know, the future is with four decks. Everything's going to be, everybody's going to be using the four deck controllers, uh, so why don't why don't you get um, this piece of gear instead? And I helped him out, and uh, it um, uh, he was a lot more into DJing than me, and he was able to actually uh, very quickly uh, surpass me in skill and uh everything and then he went um uh he went off to California and he's doing great there DJing he's had various residencies and he's helped me a lot through my DJ career and it's because I was nice to him you know and because I realized that you know we each have 52 Saturdays and being in the DJ business kind of flipped my perspective that we only have like our inventory is limited to 52 prime things that we can sell and uh, and not all of those Saturdays are prime because who wants to get get married uh, in January? You know, most people want to get married in June. There's only four or five Saturdays in June. So um, I was able to realize that I could uh, cooperate and collaborate and uh, and that there was enough business to go around. And that started flipping my mindset, you know, out of that scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset. You know, um, for example, there are 6,000 businesses in the uh, greater Yellowstone County and surrounding areas, basically within driving distance. Um, if I wanted to only deal with companies that I could physically drive to and meet with, uh, there would be 6,000 companies that have more than two employees. Um, and if a company has more than two employees, it should have some sort of marketing budget you know, at least a tiny bit for some online advertising or something. And uh, realistically, if even 1% of those people all decided that they wanted to work with me, I'd have a problem. I'd be way over capacity. (laughs) So there is so much abundance of work available just in this general area 
and I can work for anybody anywhere in the world. So there is so much work that it doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt if somebody grabs up a client, even if it's a client that I really wanted to work with, that I thought that I could genuinely help. Uh, it's not going to hurt anything if somebody else lands that client because the most important thing to me and the success of my business is for 99% of the people that I talk to to say no thank you and not choose to use my services because if 99% or more are not saying no uh, when I pitch something, then I have a problem. I have a capacity issue. I have more work than I can handle and I won't be any good to anybody. So I would say abundance, having that abundance mindset and uh, being positive about things like you were saying is probably the lesson that I've learned. And uh, my, my battle and my struggle is just to try and stay in that positive mindset and try to not let the setbacks get me down because you will have setbacks and if they affect your mindset, then that will cause more setbacks and more problems and issues with employees and it just snowballs and it all comes from the leader. You know, when you go to a business and things are not going well, it's typically a top-down problem, you know. If the manager is mistreating the employees, the employees mistreat the customers. You know, it all it all comes down from the top. Um, and uh, if anywhere in that upline there's a bad apple, that is going to be reflected in, in the way people are treated and the overall attitude of the business. People aren't smiling if they're mistreating the customers, uh, if they're just doing shoddy work, um, obviously somebody has a mindset problem up top and they need to start bringing that positivity back down uh, to everybody and kind of lift the business up with it. That's a good one. That reminds me of uh, a talk that Danny Wyrus did one time. He said, when, you're, when you have something that you need to hold on to, that you want to hold on to, you have two ways of doing it. You can hold out with a fist closed and you can hang on to something and you're not going to drop it. Or you can hold it with a hand open, and you still will be able to hold on to it, as long as your palm is facing up, of course. But then, when the fist is closed, it closes you off to all everyone else. And so anybody that needs help will never come to you. Anybody that has something to offer will never come to you. If you have your hand open, somebody that needs help can take it from you, but you're also open to receiving help from other people. And so he talks about, he has a really good story. Maybe I'll have him on as a, a guest one of these times about he needed help or he had a competitor that needed help and instead of telling him no and putting the guy out of business he helped him and then it came back tenfold I think it was like within a year from that so we'll talk about that sometime when Danny comes on the show um is there anything that you would like to share with left of normal listeners about kind of who you are just as uh, people that they run into with similar personality as yourself. And so how can a left of normal person or how can a normie or a right of normal person understand your personality type even better? I, uh, I am a, a EN, ENFP. I took the disc as well, and I'm, I'm really high in whatever it is, the extrovert one. I think it might be the I, perhaps. Do, do you remember disc? No, uh, I've gone through a bunch of those, but I don't it, anyway, care my for my them. my graph just looks like a pyramid. Um, it's <laughs> just one point in one area, and all of the other areas are low. <laughs> um, and in uh, the people like this, the people that I know that I interface with in the business community who score similarly on these same tests, 
uh, one thing I found is, you know, I'll take them aside and talk to them and, and ask, like, like, how are you doing? Like, what's, what's going on inside? Because typically all look gr- like I've got everything together on the outside and inside. I'm absolutely freaking <laughs> out about stuff. Um, and that, you know, everybody thinks that the, these social interactions are easy and they're not. It's just, it's almost like a defense or a survival mechanism to get through it. It's something, something that you've kind of learned. And, and when you approach it this way and talk with them, they'll, they're like, oh yes, somebody finally gets it and they'll be vulnerable and explain a a little bit about their struggle. And so, so the truth is that the, the people that have the personalities like, like me and, and some other notable ones, I'm not going to call anybody out um, uh, directly because I'm talking about people struggling with depression or, you know, various, uh, uh, various uh, internal issues, but um, we're not always okay. So um, it's not a bad idea to check on the people that you don't think you need to check on because sometimes we're really going through some stuff. And, and you just don't know it. Um, you know, I thought Kevin Scharf's uh, TED Talk was very powerful because um, he was talking about how, you know, yeah, you'd see me on the street and ask how things are going. And I'm like, yeah, great. You know, I'm just working, you know, just just working, <laughs> doing the thing, whatever. And they're like, oh, good. Glad Kevin's doing OK. And then he'd go to his house and be like, what the heck am I going to do? My whole life is falling apart and I don't know what to do about it, you know, because he was uh, he had experienced some uh, some tough times. And, and that really resonates. So I guess something to understand is that, you know, you may be envious of, uh, of our ability to work a room or, or talk with people, um, but uh, it's, not, it's not all lollipops and gumdrops. And, you know, maybe, maybe check on us. Maybe check on the people that don't seem like they need to be checked on uh, because uh, uh, they need it. Can't remember which episode it was that we talked about the small talk dance and that how you doing or what's happening or what's new. It's always met with about the same answer, and so if you know the person, it's a little easier to kind of get a little deeper when you're just meeting somebody for the first time or one of the early meetings. It's kind of hard to really ask them how they're doing, but something good to keep in mind that. Everyone has something going on, and if you really want to know, then dig a little bit deeper. Uh, so kind of wrapping things up, how can people find you? Where are the places online usually that you hang out or in person? And follow you and give you some support, and hopefully uh, if they need your services, they can send business your way. Uh, you can reach me through my website, 406web.com, or through freakinawesome.com. There's no G in freaking awesome because uh, that saved me about $5,000 on the domain <laughs> purchase by uh, by not purchasing freakingawesome.com and purchasing freakingawesome.com. Uh, so uh, that's a good way to get a hold of me. Um, I'm on Facebook. I need to be on LinkedIn more. Um, I haven't been there, but I don't know. Maybe maybe uh, bug me on LinkedIn. Try and lure me back to that platform so that I can uh, participate in that community a little more. I'll make sure to tag you when when this posts. I'll tag you on LinkedIn and and on Facebook. And uh, Gary's also at Kava Roots quite often. His office is very close to the Kava Roots bar that Shane Victor and Kobe uh, uh, Jeffers. Is that yeah, Kobe's last name. Yeah, 
I always want to say Jeffries, and then I second-guess myself. Kobe Jeffries and Shane own the Kava Bar. It's a great place to come and hang out, have some tea, have some kava, get introduced to the world of the South Pacific Islands. Uh, Gary's often there because his office upstairs heats up to, like, 900 degrees when the sun is beating through the windows. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners? Uh, you know, I can't I can't think of it. I think you uh, covered things very well. Um, I would say that um, uh, Scott's an awesome human being, and if you subscribe and listen to his odd his pod podcast, his <laughs> odd podcast, uh, then uh, then you're doing a good deed because uh, I think more people need to be exposed to his awesome intellect. Just don't uh, mistreat people because they'll call your business out and tell you how tell the world how terrible of a human being you are. Ah, well, so that's about it for this week. For now, you've had a peek into the world where everything left is right. And if it feels right, then it must be left. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, join the Facebook community. Remember to follow Gary on various social channels or swing by the Kava Bar so you can get to know him a little bit better and find out what he is all about. And, of course, share this with your friends, whether they are left, normies, or right.